0: Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. We're going to go through the good, the bad, the ugly of this season and the good, bad and ugly of Weber's review of this season. Paul and John are with me for this one. Let's get after it. John, let's start with the good. We're probably going to need quite a long time to run through this. Um, Give me a good category entry for the 2022-2023 season
1: i detect a note of sarcasm in your voice, Mr. Parsley, when you say we might a need a long one, yeah. time for this. Uh, can I put forward Max Ahrens as a good? And I think the reason that I raise him is he. I think he's been massively underrepresented in terms of just people talking about performance levels this season. He has been, along with Gabriel Sarra and and he's got plenty of plaudits, but he has been one of the only players that... One, has performed consistently and has performed consistently well. But two, has just driven us forward. So actually, as an attacking outlet, he's probably one of our best. And and this is in a team that, all right, it hasn't scored that many goals. But, you know, if you're talking about chance creation and putting things in the box, Max Ahrens has been up there. He's just, I think he needs recognition purely because, look, Stuart Weaver's comments have, will probably lead us to the conclusion that he is off this summer. We didn't get a proper goodbye for him. Um, And that's completely natural, given you his contractual status and the fact that we don't know if he's going to be sold. But, you know, look, from what we hear, he's going to be sold. Um, But yeah, he's just been a fantastic servant for this football club. He's never let us down. I think he's had an excellent season. He was probably my player of the season. Um, And yeah, he's just, attitudinally, I think he's just been superb throughout.
0: Well, that was going to be my plus one on on that is that i think at no point this season did he look like he was happy uh to accept how bad it got when when we were going nowhere and when things were being really slow and ponderous um he he was maybe through his body language and through his demeanor he showed on the pitch um he embodied the frustration that was in the stands maybe uh, and, and perhaps it's maybe slightly less professional to to show how annoyed you are um yeah. then um, just a, a very he's p- always
1: been a bit surly though hasn't he he's, he also, has, he's a, always just been that character type
0: a, a very quick aside um i watched a little bit we're recording this on on tuesday uh, so the morning uh the, the day after uh, the newcastle Uh, Leicester game, and I I watched Leicester park the bus against Newcastle. And interestingly, Madison, towards the latter stages, who obviously we know well and we know his body language well, um, he was so frustrated at the tactics being deployed around him and how people were opting to pass sideways and backwards instead of giving him the ball. And um, he reminded me of uh, Max, and he reminded me of O'Neill, and a couple of the players who maybe do want to try and play. you know, progressively and in that era under Dean Smith earlier in the season. Uh, Paul, give me something good. Um,
2: I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Liam Gibbs. Um, If only because, um, because of the vacuum that we've had in central midfield for the last, God knows how many years. I just thought the times that he played, how nice to see a central midfielder who can play in central midfield and knows what the job of a central midfielder is. And, it's active at getting up and down the pitch, and you know I appreciate he he was injured for a bit. You know, as is as is the way with Norwich central midfielders, but uh, dare I say there's a bit of Ollie Skip about him, just in terms of wanting to make the ball work. You know, just wanting to do something and uh, actually, you know, that thing of tackling, getting the ball, and then looking up to see what he could do with it. That you know, that I don't know. I just found that as a novelty this season. Yeah, um, I th- which I is think you're right. sad, but good.
0: No, I, th- I think you're right. I think he has been, I think he's maybe been uh, swept up in some of the negativity there's been around um, the season where if you take out of, if you put in context, actually his age and how few uh, senior appearances he had before the start of this season, if you put, if you copied and pasted his contribution, and his efforts into a season where the overall conclusion of Norwich fans was that went well i think we would be raving about what a one for the future he is i can't believe that we've found a unearthed a centre midfielder who okay isn't a finished product yet but clearly is only a couple of years away from maybe being a, a, a nailed on um, a central midfielder in the in the top 6 club in in the in the championship or maybe even could develop into someone at the bottom of the prem
1: and i think i think there there was you've made the Ollie skip comparison there Paul but I'd probably make the Corey Smith comparison and I think the way in which he's come through in a failing team because Corey Smith came in you know kind of at the end of yeah, he did. Gunny's era, era didn't he and then and really hit the ground running um, under Lambert I think he's he's got that same kind of energy that same kind of will the same kind of desire and like you said wants to make the ball work wants to make it move forward yeah I, I, I really like him and I think I was listening to um, a friend of the the pods. Um, so Ben Ambrose does the Norwich Talk podcast for like the kind of my football writer family. And he had Benjamin Bloom on, who's a, a really well-known Ipswich town fan. And I think Gibbs' emergence has been made all the sweeter by the fact, well, by virtue of the fact that we signed them from Ipswich. But actually, they're quite put out now that he's looking like a bit of a player and that, you know, that, that there is... At least there's one element of them casting an envious, gl- you know, kind of glare over towards us, even though things are tremendously rosy down south. First,
0: first name on the team sheet for the first derby, irrelevant of if he's played any minutes <laughs> up to that point, irrelevant of how we're getting yeah, on. Like he has, to, he has to start yeah. on that game. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the the good thing that I would pull out of the season, um, I'm, I, 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 typically I'm going to give more than one answer because uh, it can, because it's my game. Uh, the the first thing is uh, the Pookie send off. You know, you mentioned not being able to give Max a good send off. I was really pleased that um, because we've got a history of um, a, a checkered history of sometimes doing send offs really well, um, a la the Russ Wears game, and you know <clears throat> all the rest of it. And also, you know, your your, your of, of this world, we don't always treat outgoing legends as brilliantly as we can. And I I actually think the whilst the club got a bit of stick for, um, being seen to be celebrating a terrible season and, and what have you, actually anyone who was there on the day, um, you could tell that the right amount of effort had gone into, um, from the display side of things was obviously we were happy to help with, um, through to the, the songs. I mean, just hearing "Fark on a horse and just hearing the, the tribal song and, you know, celebrating the era that he'd been at, um, and, and I'm going to refer back to that again when we come on to talk about Webber's end of season review in a bit. Um, the other positive thing I I think is, uh, I, and again, this this throws forward slightly to Webber, I think that the fact that we as a fan base uh, have didn't accept at any point um, the style of football that we were being served when things were going well, um, the fact that we didn't at any point Uh, rest on our laurels that even though results seem to be going our way we could see that we weren't in control of games and we could see that we weren't playing a style of football that was likely to be scalable across the course of a season and I actually think that is a real positive thing now Weber mentioned it as oh I've congratulated the staff and the players around you know how they've created expectation I actually think Farker educated us in what was possible in terms of how much can we demand to see a style of football and impress ourselves upon a game and yeah okay it's a roller coaster ride it might not be pragmatic in the in the Premier League etc etc but I think it's a good thing that the Norwich fans were almost as one when it was going well results wise but it wasn't what we wanted to see and as much as that might be a real headache for the powers that be at the football club and whilst that might and it did at the time we were being told that we were being spoiled and by the clubs that were beneath us in the championship at the at the time and i'm sure they had a good laugh at it dropping off but i think it's a good thing that that we, we through this this era of the last few years have have created and who knows how long it will last but we've created an identity that is just as important that we that when it isn't there do you remember it you know it is a, a, the, whole, the the very nature of something being a strong identity is that when it's not in front of you you recognise that it's not there. Um, Whereas it's very easy to say, I know what our identity is because I only saw it three days ago. But when it's been 18 months since you've seen it, to still be able to go, yeah, no, I I know what Norwich looks like and that isn't it. I think that's a really positive thing. And hopefully it doesn't take us too long until we get something that that comes back
1: to it. I think the difference for me in that regard was, and look, if if we're throwing forward to Stuart Webber's comments, he's now made them. But they just didn't tell us what the plan was. So they didn't say, "Right, we're going to evolve to a more pragmatic style under Dean Smith. We're, you know, we're going to move, shift towards more of a high press style under Wagner, if that is actually what we're doing." Because I'm, I'm yet to see any major evidence of this kind of gig and press that that people had lauded him for. Um, I think that's the bit that was missing for me, and that's the expectation, actually. You know, kind of, so you know, Stuart Weber saying, you know, actually, it's a really good thing that they built expectation. Yeah, we expected you to tell us what the plan was and not necessarily Stuart Weber individually, but you as the, you know, the club, the entity. We expect you now to tell us what we can expect over the next 12, 18, 24 months. To his credit, he's come out and done that now, um, you know, in, in the postseason stuff. And I feel way more assured around the direction of the football side of things because of that. So, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's expectation a, around a footballing style or identity or DNA or, you know, whatever you're going to label it as. I think it's an expectation around how supporters and club and community all get treated and how we get taken on a journey. And we had the most wonderful example of it. And all right, that was um Assisted by the the style of football that that we were playing, but actually, if if someone had come out and and just said, "Look, we're going to be a bit uglier to watch, but actually, we're going to have a few bruises, and and you know, you need to get used to that and get behind it," all right, we wouldn't have liked it as much, but I could have got behind that.
0: No problem. Do you, th- do you think that they were worried, Paul? That do you think that there was a conscious effort to downplay that?
1: Because <clears throat> yes, sir. yeah, I think you're right, and and I think that was a mistake.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I said Paul, but thank you for for jumping in anyway. I'm sorry, sorry it's <laughs> fine. So so yeah, Paul, do, do you do you think that that was a deliberate thing? Um, do you think that they that they've they've kind of gone okay? Well, that didn't work, so now we're just gonna have to hold our hands up and say we're gonna try and win ugly.
2: Yeah, I'm. Oh, that's, it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, if you think you think about it, historically, historically, Norwich are club wise a generally really successful uh second tier club if if you think about it that way and also historically um we rarely go up playing the type of football that say Burnley would have been um promoted through uh a few seasons ago two or three times you know or a Neil Warnock side for instance you know we we have um I don't actually remember a time when we got promoted playing kind of you know more sort of lumpy, aggressive football, defensive football. We've generally gone up by playing really good football, getting a small, tight pack ground right behind us, and it's been exciting. Um, so I kind of, I, 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 get, I get the, you know, we might have to be more pragmatic, but wasn't that the plan when we won the championship in style in front of no fans? You know, I thought the idea yeah. was go down, get a bit more defensive, but still play with absolute style, go up and build on that, and then... It just fell apart. So, well, some of the, some of the absolutely best teams
0: that there have ever been playing this game have been those that, uh, and, and at the absolute elite level, have been those where there are three, or few, three or four lads who are in there who earn the right for the really, really talented ones to play mm. the game. So, I mean, even that amazing Barca team that Weber referenced in his, his round of interviews last Friday, um, in one of I can't remember if it was, I think it was the BBC one, maybe <clears throat> or, or the Pinker one. Um, All all of our local ads did a brilliant job. It's worth saying, by the way. Um, I thought thought they did a really good range of approaches. Some were slightly softer. Some went slightly harder. Some allowed the cringe factor to really flow (laughs) because they'd obviously set out that that was what they were going to do and you can work out for
1: yourselves which one's which, but... Um, I'd also add to that as well, mate, that the club internal one, I felt like offered appropriate challenge as well. And that's okay. something that's worth recognising. I don't think that was a puff piece by, by any you know, stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, he mentioned the Barca team and, you know, you've got the likes of Busquets and, and Puyol. And, you know, you've got people who kick you up in the air whilst you've also got the, the little passing uh, majors going across the the pitch and, and, and Arsenal teams. You know, some of the best Arsenal teams had some proper enforcers in there. That, that Yes, OK, they were technically better than um, a lot of the other team players in the league, but let's have it right, they were in there to effectively be front doors that were very, very difficult to kick down and would move, move people around and, and create space for the more technical players to play. So if we have to, if, if the feeling is we need to get that bit right and earn the right to have more and more of a balance towards technical and passing and possession, very very happy with that and um you know thinking about teams in the championship it's something that I think Swansea suffered from this season you know they they played some of the most um successful possession football in terms of stats this season however you know we saw them um outplay us twice uh, obviously we split in terms of results although both times it was only it was one way really only one team creating chances um but they did they didn't look physically very dominating they were, they were I think um with us one of the younger squads in the season in the, in the in the of the season in in the championship so you you do need to have a bit of steel in order to to also be able to, to play that and, and that's what skip gave us that's what um Tom tribal and Tetty you know you know we, when we've seen it done well at Norwich you know there there have been those players. you could argue Worthington we had some some kind of industrial Uh, style uh, guys in the the engine room and in central defence who would basically do the really ugly stuff and leave bruises on you. So, yeah, hopefully this move towards telling us that there is a plan going forward is going to be one of the things that we look back on as a good that comes out of it. Um, My final good of the season is uh, that it's over Uh, because I can't remember a season, good, bad or indifferent, feeling like it lasted as long as this one it just interminably seemed to never look like we were going to go up yet just never seemed to to, to get to the end of it so yeah it's good that it's finally over any other uh, any other good things before we get to some bad Paul
2: that well, I was just gonna say I have never wanted a season to end more than this season and I don't, I don't think I've ever felt like that before so I, t- I totally agree with that and so yeah it's good I'm glad it's over um other goods I think um I think that maybe everybody knows where they stand now in terms of the club the team the supporters you know um it's it's got to a point also the local press you know it's got to a point where I think everyone's kind of there now to a greater or lesser degree and I think we have to move on there's obviously stuff we need to ruminate over, but we do have to move on. We have to look back at maybe some of the core of the problems, but it feels to me like actually we've got to a point where that's beginning now. Um, and so maybe maybe this is the beginning of something at least a little bit new.
1: Do you feel beginningy, John? Um, I'll reserve judgment on that, but can I have a couple more? goods or it's, yeah, it's a kind of yeah, packaged keep, keep, keep it's one good but there's a couple in it can I just say beautiful beautiful goals and I, I say that because I think we should remember Marcelino Nunez's strike against Birmingham I think we should remember Gabby Sarra yeah yeah and that's a great shout I think we should remember some of Gabby Sara's goals like a couple of them he's finished absolute worldy team moves mm. but then that one against I think it was Millwall away wasn't it where he's just spun and hit it in you know in a world-class way you his highlights I was saying to someone today his highlights real for this season if you wanted to do a YouTube compilation because of the amount of tricks and flicks and skills and all of those things that he's got mm. would look ridiculous but so I think there have been genuine moments of quality and we said about this in the pod, like really early in the season, it felt like we were getting away with it because of individual moments of quality rather than having a cohesive team. But I don't think we should forget those moments of quality because that's why we all go to the football, right? We want want to see things like that. Yeah.
0: I love that. Um, Sarge scored an absolute banger as well, where he nearly took the roof of the net off. It wasn't necessarily from a long range or whatever. It's just one of those, when you've got a a striker who really smacks it, um, it always always feels better. Um, there's, There's been a few bad things um and there's been a few ugly things but we we have we have sort of dwelled on that through through a lot of the season so i want to be a little bit sort of disciplined in only sticking to one bad thing and one <laughs> ugly thing each rather than cuz you know again we're going to come to the webber thing again in a second but i i do think that i need for my own mental health to move on from this season. <laughs> like I, I need to I need to look forward best I can. That the one bad thing that that I think is going to take a long time to kind of get out of my system is to your point, Paul, about wanting this season to end, I have never dreaded going to football or hoped hoped that something would come up that I could almost convince myself was a good enough excuse not to go to football. You know, I've missed weddings that I can get out of. You know, I've missed parties, you know, occasions, family events that I've said, ah, oh, oh, no, Norwich are at home, so I can't do that, sorry, throughout my whole life. And um, this season, if someone said, oh, I could really do with you returning that wheelbarrow you borrowed, I'd say, oh, I can only return it between three and five on this particular Saturday. Do you know what I mean? I would go out of my way to not be able to get a car. And that that's just something that, the football hasn't made me feel before and it just felt like yeah there's loads of contributing factors to that but i i just i i desperately want to get back to um counting down the minutes until it's time to get in the car and go to carrow road what one bad thing do you want to banish paul
2: the bad thing i want to banish is i wrote about this way way back at so i think it was against qpr at home in the autumn um the bad thing i want to banish is is the sort of non-experience that that kids are getting mm. at the mm. football, and you know, we we've all got kids, and you know, and we want our kids to really enjoy it. My son first started going properly and appreciating football uh, when we were coming back to beat Millwall or coming back to um, draw with Knott's Forest or whoever under Farker, you know. And I remember him saying after that, "Dad, that was amazing. Can we go every week forever?" You know, and I, I know that's not going to happen all the time, but um well he knows the, that now as well well he, well he knows yeah he fully knows exactly exactly which is why he doesn't want to go but I think the the point there is like when you grow up as a kid and you go to the football um it needs to be something special you need to feel like you're being treated like the next generation even though you don't realize that but you know and there's nothing there's nothing at Norwich at Carrow Road at the moment that is making that happen and I, I And maybe I have rose-tinted glasses, but when I was a kid, I felt like going to the football was something really special. It didn't matter about the results. It really didn't matter about the results because there was something about going there. Maybe it was players making more of an effort to sign autographs. Maybe it was, you know, just just more forms of engagement. And I can't help thinking that that that's just been really bad recently. And if we don't do something about it, then no wonder other kids are just going to go, why would I bother?
0: Well, I've got and I've got a very recent opinion, recently informed opinion on that. In that, this is the season, unfortunately, that that my eldest has started going to football, um, and so I mean, it's setting him up well because he's just going to only going to go up really from here, you feel. Um, but I mean, he's managed to uh, because of our home form, he's seen a, a league cup win, he saw the, the win on penalties, um, but he hasn't seen a, a home league win yet. Because there's been so few to take him to, um, and um, he the, the thing that 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 currently is brilliant about being younger and football is the fan zone before home. So he absolutely loves that. Um, gets to hang out with uh, punt juniors, and um, they he 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 is desperate to go to football. Really excited to go to football. Loves being in the car and going away. Loves the walk to the ground. Loves mucking about in the fan zone. We watch the players come off the bus. Um, for the pooky game, which we hadn't bothered trying to do, but we, we were there early for the uh, to help with the pooky surfer banner. So you know, we, we, we tried to take that in. And by the way, most of them were, despite all the kids waiting, to your point, Paul, they were headphones on straight, straight into the tunnel. Like, you know, I get that it might have been a slightly unpleasant place for some players to play this season and things haven't gone very well, it's not the kids that are waiting an hour and a half before the game to catch a sight of the favourite play. They're not the ones giving you abuse. So the, the I, I honestly do think the least you – they're not going for the title. They don't need to be like – this. not before a big title fight. They don't need to be so locked in an hour and a half before kickoff that they can't take their headphones off, stop, sign a couple of autographs, smile and wave a bit. like Because that is, it's huge. when you're eight, nine, whatever, that's huge if, if you feel for a second that you're – one of your favorites you know turns and smiles at you or whatever um and a couple of them did but genuinely the most of them just straight in but yeah i so so the the pre match stuff is great and then unfortunately by about 60 70 minutes he's then desperate to go because um he just goes we don't look like we're going to score if we play for 100 years dad and he's he's right john what are you shooting into the sun
1: um i'd just like to, can i have another good can i go back because you've just uh, you've just raised it in my mind and i yes. think that we don't I always acknowledge it on this podcast, but I don't think actually the wider Norwich City community acknowledges it enough. And it's it's around the player stuff, actually. And I want to talk about the women's team a little bit and our experience of, as supporters of the women's team. I'm a season ticket holder. The girls, you know, both get tickets through the kind of Norwich City pathway that they're on as well. Um, and I'd echo all your comments about the fan zone, Tom, because they both love it and, you know, very much enjoy your son's sense of humour as well, which is, which is good. Um, But the North City women's and the way in which they are able to engage with their supporters and just be human with their supporters and they, they just nothing is too much for them in terms of going over, signing autographs, having a chat, staying behind after the game. It just completely opened my eyes to oh that's what it was like when I started going in you know late nineteen eighties and Rule Fox would trudge over and say hello and sign an autograph or Flecky would come over and just have a bit of a chat or Robert Rosario would look a bit annoyed that he had to come over but he'd do it because he knew that actually he needed to sign autographs before the football because that's what the kids down the river end wanted you don't see any of that anymore you don't see that human side of them and the club are look the club are really good at doing stuff on socials and you know the whole. Nunez's lovely jubbly stuff that, you know, they they look to amplify is, you know, is funny and and great. Um, But, you know, we live in a different era and just to strip that back and just to have players and fans communicating properly and being in the same space and enjoying that shared sense of community just did absolutely transport me back. And it just felt like, right, you know, I've supported a elite level club i guess you know if we're talking about the top two divisions of, of english football for some time and maybe a grassroots experience now is better because of you know all of those types of things but yeah it's it was lovely in terms of negatives so if, just to you know because that's actually what you're asking me for um i would say around the men's team it's it's the culture on the pitch i think is the one thing that i just want to chuck in room 101 because it's it's just felt like, and it's been acknowledged in, in postseason interviews as well. We just haven't had enough. I know it's easy to say this when things go wrong, but we haven't had enough leaders. We haven't had enough senior people yeah. just stepping up, and I don't know, almost dragging us through games you know, just through sheer will and desire. It's really obvious when the chips are down. You know, we haven't had people to stand up, and for you know, for people at the football club to come out and say the players don't like playing at home. Well, fucking yeah. change it then, lads. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of actually do something. Go up to the crowd. Engage with them. Like, ask them for their help. Come out in the media and do those kinds of things. Don't just go, oh, I don't like playing there. Can you make the supporters be nicer to us? No. Like, actually take ownership of it and yeah. show us. Um, you know, and, and I, I that is, again, something really positive that I am pleased has been acknowledged in the postseason stuff. It's like they need to fix that. And the club realise that that starts with them and they need to drive it. And yes, the supporters need to meet them halfway, but you know, if, if we just sh- if they show any semblance of that kind of desire, we've shown as a fan base before. Right, we might be a little bit fickle, but we'll get behind you if we know that you're trying. If we, if we know that you are engaging with us, if we know that you know we're all pulling in the same direction, we'll get behind you. We will back you.
2: On so on get, that. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. sorry, got me. No, no, yeah, go ahead, I... mate. On that point, I, I was at Carrow Road on Saturday for an under-10s tournament, and we got a little tour of, of, the, of the changing rooms. And on the wall in the home changing room, by the door as you leave, is the phrase in big letters: "Ignore the noise." Yeah. Now, to me, that should say "Bring the noise," or "Raise yeah. the noise," or mm. "Up the fucking noise." Do you yeah, know make what it I mean? Noisy. Yeah, make it noisy, boys. <laughs> you know, but ignore I the ain't noise. Noisy enough. I know. <laughs> But ignore the noise is surely like just playing into that exactly as you're saying, John. it's just playing into that Well, disengage from everything hmm. well actually no just get out there and and bring it yeah yeah so
0: onto the ugly uh, and let's start talking about the Stuart Weber um interviews so uh i'm I think that there were some really really positive things shared. Uh, I think that there was some good context, which whilst the delivery, um, you know, Stuart Webber was not hired as a public speaker. He was not hired as a media professional. He does make a very, very valid point that lots of people in his similar role in other clubs uh, possess a similar level of media training that he does and therefore are kept well away from the media. Um, So I, I do always cut him some slack On the Brent cringy stuff because I really do think having spent some time, you know, in in sort of club events where he's been he's been around and about and not kind of on mic, he's really not any different. I mean, you really do get you really do get the Stuart Weber experience whether he's on mic or off mic, and I give him credit for that. I I do think that there there it was maybe a mistake to. create a precedent whereby he did a lot of talking because uh, effectively that's been created by the fact that there was uh, otherwise there would be a vacuum you know there would be a vacuum because Delia and Michael aren't controlling the club so it would be weird if they kept talking and and talking about things and if it's not going to be him who else is going to do it you know Ben K did, did did some chat but obviously he wanted to make it clear that he was kind of the business side of the club, so it was maybe a mistake to the, that they went, well, this is going to be the person who's going to front up, which therefore when he does go quiet for two seasons or whatever, then it does seem really, really weird. So there's an element of you, you make your own bed there. Um, so giving him a, a pass for some of the weird comments that he makes, <clears throat> I do think that on the context side of things, he brought up some things that I wholeheartedly agree with and are things that I do think maybe myself included the frustration of how poor it was on the pitch i may be overlooked a bit like we have created expectation and we are, it isn't a level playing field and I, you know i'm i'm so pleased he brought up the brentford example particularly because brentford are like bournemouth to me in that it makes my skin crawl when people hand them out flowers like they are some kind of romantic fairy tale you know, Portland Rovers or whatever. Like, no, they spent loads of money and got to the playoff final. Then they spent loads more money, but staying up, and they've done it in a very sort of you know industrial way themselves. They hardly play beautiful football, etc. So, no, I don't. I, I'm. I don't. I would love to be spending money on players of really good quality and staying in the in the Premier League. That would be good if we could challenge. <clears throat> but I, I am I do think he he made some good points around that. Where I think there are still some things to answer is he contradicted himself in a lot of in a lot of ways. Sometimes within the same same interview. So, John, I'll come to you first on this. So, l- give me some ugly things from from the the Weber. Recent round of of media day,
1: uh, I think I'd probably open as well with um, I'd maybe challenge around his. I think there's an element of revisionism around his. We've created this expectation, and actually, it's not good enough for Norwich City fans to finish fifth in the league.
0: Mm. It'd
1: have been plenty good enough for me to finish fifth in the league this season, provided I was communicated with and and actually understood what was going on on the pitch and what the plan was. But also... And if it didn't look so shit on the pitch. <laughs> well, yeah. And, but, you know, that that is a definitely a factor. But also, oh, we've created this expectation. I'm not sure you have, mate. Like, four of the six seasons that preceded your arrival at the football club, we were in the Premier League. Uh, the fact that you were, you know, the club had to look at ripping it up and starting again was born out of the fact that, us as supporters as in a fam, and a fan base kind of almost hounded Alex Neil out of the football club. And that was expectation around the fact that we should be finishing top six in the championship or, you know, yep. top two in the championship. So I think we expected those things anyway. I think he makes some excellent points about the fact that, you know, he's presided over two of our seven trophies in the, in the top two divisions. I think he makes some brilliant points around and made me stop and think as well around, you um, you know, what's gone on at Colney? The fact that actually he, the club is definitely, and we've said this on this podcast, the club is definitely in a better position than when he arrived yeah. off the pitch, like definitely off the pitch. I was really pleased that he used the words end of cycle as well. You know, kind of he, he was very clear about that in his press that they have to build again, um, you know, and because we've all seen that on the pitch. But I think the ugly stuff, I think you know, like let, let's just talk about the the comments about the women's team um, I think from a personal level a a person who takes his two girls to men's and women's games at the football club and they heard some of that you know they heard it on the radio they heard it or didn't you know they heard it being covered on the radio Um, they heard you know me talking to mates about it so they you know they were naturally inquisitive about what had been said I think it was just really disappointing and look, we've reached out to the club, or I reached out to the club quite recently and, and just said, look, is there wider context? Like, you know, kind of, do you, have you got a comment on this? And, and the club have been forthright, you know, in, in in saying that they would encourage people to read the full athletic piece because there are some really positive comments that Stuart Weber has made about um, the women's set up, the way in which it's progressed, the work that they've done this season, the work that they plan to do. And I, I kind of take all of that and think it's fair enough. But to come out and speak in derogatory terms about the quality of the team and the fact that he's not interested in, in women's football. I'm sorry, mate, you weren't asked about that. You were asked, you know, the question was, how are you going to build on this year's success, essentially? So there's just no point. What? Why do you feel the need to say it? And I think there is an acceptance, maybe club side as well, well, no, definitely club side as well, that those words were a little clumsy. I don't think they are a little clumsy. I think Stuart Webber is a deliberate communicator. I think we've seen that around the consistency with wh- the way in which he conducts his interviews and um, with all of the local press. I think he maybe had a, th- a think about what he was going to say beforehand. And I think he likes, I think there is an element of him that likes the provocative and likes the poking fun at whether you're a snake pit divorcee Divorcee. or you know kind of or whether you're a 21 year old playing football manager and i just think these are the types of people if he talks about any extreme extremes the 21 year olds in their bedrooms maybe on computers you know kind of on social media or the you know kind of the divorce lads in the snake pit who drink a few beers and then you know might chant against him or you know the people who support the women's team or you know pro women's football and absolutely love this football club and support it in all its forms I just think why are you digging out fans? And that's been the criticism throughout the season is, you know, kind of what why is the almost the club having a pop-up fans? But also purely from a commercial level. Like let's let's be honest, the women's game has got the most growth potential of any in revenue stream in this football club. If if we get it right and you know, we got a team that was near near or around the WSL and we put the kind of resource into it, the Ipswich Town did we could have a revenue generator on our hand. So why would you talk in such disparaging terms about that element of the club? And the context is, you know, kind of, and again, this is from speaking to people at the club, that Stuart Webber would probably counter that with, well, look, you know, I've probably done more to advance the the progression of the women's team um, since they've been in-house than anyone else at the football club. He's been instrumental in them training at Colney more regularly, having more access to, you know, the medical team, sports science teams, all of those things. That's brilliant. Just say that and then don't say anything else, mate, because what's the point in saying they're not very good and that's essentially what he said and if you're a player of that football worse team, than
0: that you said, he, he said Sunday League like, you know, yeah, it, and the quality is was really want so that was obviously with uh, the wonderful Michael Bailey mm-hmm. I honestly the way I read that article uh, and you know and I, and I actually read the full article before I even realised that I only realised there was a separate call out athletic yeah. version of it from the comments on the original article saying I don't think they should have done it as a separate blah 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 anyway Uh, as I read the article, the way I read it was, I think that he started with a few kind of asides and I honestly wonder if... Bailey's eyebrows went up so much <laughs> with what he was saying that he thought, Oh, I'm on something here. I'm gonna double down. Because mm. he, sort of, he was a bit dismissive, and then he was sort of a bit rude, and then he was insulting. Like he came in sort of three bursts. And yeah, it's
1: but all interspersed seems... with some really good development but, stuff. Yes, and no, that's, exactly. the but like, that's the thing. Like you know, 80% of what he think says it's is so good.
0: shit. Why have you made so much effort? And yeah. if and if you've if you've made so much effort because you think it's commercially really sensible thing to say again
1: don't say that
0: you think it's really shit and,
1: and that's that's the weird thing from what the the club commentary is they would encourage people to read the full athletic piece like and yeah. i think what they're referencing is like michael's full interview it's still got those words in it it's still yeah, got, <laughs> that, yeah, that's uh, see, the bit that's, uh, so this, i don't I, like
0: i i don't i don't blame him in the slightest for liking uh for, for disliking women's football or for finding, or for finding Formula One interesting, you know. Just don't I, say it out
1: loud. Yeah, because there's I, no need.
0: I, so I, the the, the problem, is, the problem is with that kind of, know, <clears throat> yeah, You made the point about the seasons and the 21 years playing Football Manager. They are there's there's two different things here. You, when I'm talking about media training, when I'm talking about necessarily being the best person at the club to 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 front up and face up and and talk about where we're at and and narrate the journey that doesn't mean that i don't think he's not deliberate in what he says that doesn't mean that i think that he talks off the cuff i mean i think he i think he expand. like there's no way that he would have prepared that women's football stuff um as in the the unpleasant
1: stuff but i don't know i reckon he prepared the no because he didn't divorce lads
0: yes oh yes that that he did but i mean
1: i've but, 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 so but it's the, provocative for provocative it, sake the, well it? that's
0: the thing I think that he. I think that he. He uses those because he used that in more than because there was the vast majority of what he said to all of all of the boys on the beat was the same, almost word for word, and then uh, two or three of them had slightly different questions and got slightly different things out of him that were felt a bit more organic, but mes- weren't necessarily kind of the key issues. And <clears throat> I, I honestly think it must have been. The look on Michael's face that got him to to double down on on and that's why he went so much further with with, with Michael on on the women's game side of things. But I think to your point on uh, the twenty one year olds playing Football Manager, he mentioned Football Manager in the BBC one. I don't think he mentioned an age, but he talked. He said, "This isn't Football Manager. You can't just yeah, you, know, you can't have um, people on X uh, a week and just keep adding up." And then he said a similar thing on the Pinkham one. Which was, on, which was on camera, and he, he gave the example of, you know, if you're only going to pay someone a grand a week, well, no, no, no offence, but obviously offence, that's only going to get you a King's Lynn player. So again, this is a kind of similar trope where he's saying the same thing. And what he's trying to do is, <clears throat> I don't think people who really understand football, or rather the people who don't understand football are the people that have got a problem with me or would criticise me. Um, the people who are unhappy in their life because uh, they're divorced and they drink a bit too much, that that would cause them to have a problem with me so it's almost like every it, it's this this massively defensive way of being now i think he actually owned and took accountability of quite a lot of of stuff that that i would have loved him to have said in yeah, almost all agree in, in almost all interviews i would even i would even say that maybe 75 percent of what he said was i was go back three four years was along the lines of the stuff that made us think we are so lucky what a I guy i think it's like, higher
1: than that i think you're talking yeah. 80 90 and, and that's and so, that's the thing yeah if you if you can just stop him saying the stuff at the end which is a bit yeah. controversial you'd you i think you'd have had universal praise for him yeah. because loads of the stuff he said about certainly the footballing side of the business and the way in which they developed and the way in which there's collaborative work with the milwaukee brewers and the, you know the data stuff yeah it's like, Brilliant! That's and what we want to do. And praise to either. Mariella
0: in person that we've had on the pod yeah. before, and, and you know, calling out the success of, you know, and and, and likewise, what I think he did, he did a better job this time round than he's ever done before of raising others up and and actually yeah. not taking quite as much you know he's, he, cuz yeah. he's been he, you know he's a great humble brag i like his whole i've only been in the city twice that was to feed his people Um which you know good for you glad you did it but and it's apparently there. there's been about
1: 18 sightings of him in the, well, in the city well, center well, you know but, kind of, the, the, the that, that can be is, verified on social media yeah i'm sure
0: but but the, the the point is like he humble brag has been his sort of has kind of been his thing since he's been here
1: yeah.
0: and and so so i i actually thought uh, um Cause I did, you know, I think we've all consumed it in different orders, but I mean, I did the BBC one first. um, And, you know, I thought that he, uh, he did a brilliant job of, um, of really lifting up those around him that had made it possible to get where we've got to. Um, And yeah. What, what about you, Paul? What, what, what are your, are there any ugly bits that we haven't missed or do you want to maybe focus more on the good stuff?
2: No, I think, I think there's something that's sort of slightly worrying me. I will just say though, I think, I think, I think Mr. Weber needs to revisit the "Your Authentic Self at Work" book. Um, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's there's a level, isn't there, where mm-hmm. you know being authentic in in the circles that I work in, there's a saying that you know if you were if you were your true authentic self at work, you get fired pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, which <laughs> I think serious. shows the, the level <laughs> level of accountability that that Stuart Weber has perhaps at Norwich. I think, as John and you both said, the major percentage all good maybe just dial the other bits down a little bit. You don't need to say it because it's on your mind, you know, and, and maybe you'll get uh, more sleep at night. Anyway, the thing that is, the thing that's worrying me is I noticed in all of the interviews, there was a couple of things that really stood out. And one was, I can't remember who asked him it, but his answer was, I don't know where it went wrong. He said that, I don't know where it went wrong. And then a couple of times he said, uh, it's not about looking back. It's about looking forward, looking forward with positivity. If you add that to a cycle, we've been in a cycle of, uh, um, a downward cycle, I think to some degree, I, I would, I would add that to, I remember Grant Hanley, I think it was Jake Humphrey's podcast. Grant Hanley said after that terrible end of, uh, end of the COVID season, um, loss uh, yeah. set of losses he's when he was asked what happened he said I don't know and um, to me that's the worry is like if you don't know if you can't go back and look at your process and think and work out All right, where's the core of the problem here what have we been doing wrong and I and I I do you know I recognize that he perhaps contradicted that a little bit by saying things like well perhaps I was a bit too loyal to some of the some of the players and maybe yeah. I should have you know been a bit more helpful to the manager and so on but that does worry me that he's he seems not prepared to look back enough and think, where were those key moments? Those really, you know, like, we're, like we do in all forms of work, you know, or anything, really, any sporting endeavour. What's working? What isn't working? How can we improve that? So that sort of, I don't know, worries me because if we get into it, we get a bad start in the new season, you know, we're just going to go into the same thing and we're we're firefighting. So... That that was a bit ugly for me was, you know what, actually just front up or and and say, surely he knows what was going wrong. Yeah, I
1: wonder whether he does. And there's an element of I don't want to wear our dirty laundry in public because he then and it was a bit of a contradiction or it was a bit of a weird one for me. I, th- I can't remember which outlet asked it, but it was almost like, well, I, I, are the board not going to hold? you know kind of haul you over the coals for this you know kind of are you going to have to be accountable to the board for this and he answered it in so much as well I know what went wrong and I'll tell them what I think went wrong and then we'll just I'll tell them how we're going to move forward and you know what he might have taken them a lovely PowerPoint presentation and and it, it was completely what they wanted to hear and completely reassured them but I thought hang on is that against your KPIs or is that against the club's KPIs? And like, you know, is it, is it not that the board should hold you to account and should ask those questions? And I, I i just thought it was interesting that he framed it in those terms. It was almost like, well, you know, I'll control the narrative around what goes into into the board and I will tell them, you know, what I think rather than them being given the opportunity. And I wonder whether that is actually the case, because look, I think we're very clear. There are well, I'm very clear in the fact that I think there's hugely capable people that are on our board. And, you know, as much as we had sacked the board chance at, towards the end of this season, I, I think there's some, you know, massively capable operators and, and the Atanasios seem to only supplement that. Um, so I do wonder whether it was in those terms or whether it was ego almost to go, no, I went, more, I know what went wrong, so I'll tell them. There was that that contradiction in there that I just... I couldn't quite work out and I think I'd have maybe liked some outlets to just push a little bit more in that regard you know because it it did feel like well we can't change it so let's move on and actually I think as a supporter of the football club I would have been really interested in his opinions as to not necessarily having to get into the specifics but just I don't know you know did did you sack Dean Smith a bit too late or and I know that was kind of touched on but not not much really i think he just gave a flat yes or no answer and you know in that regard yeah, yeah. um you know it, yeah it there was i didn't feel like there was enough um retrospective kind of assessment of, of what had happened
0: okay well we are very tight for time so can you give us uh one of the listener questions that you think best helps us Wrap up this end of season review podcast, Mr. Punty oh, delicious. We've
1: had loads of brilliant Puntalino. questions as well, so that is a shame that you know we're not able to. Um,
0: that is a shame, but we've wobbled on for 48 minutes and 22 seconds.
1: <laughs> sorry, but that's all well, right. I say that's sorry, just, you've probably done I mean, about 30, 30 of those minutes to be fair, mate. So, yeah, all right, you
0: know. all right. Women's football <laughs> soapbox, man.
1: Okay, so. I'm just going to pick this because I love the guy's Twitter handle. So, Harv likes trains on go. Twitter, <laughs> who I think has questioned us before. Yeah, he has, yeah. And I would like to know how much he really likes trains. Or you could read it as Harv like strains. I suppose you could as well. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Harv asks, question, what would the Stuart Weber of 2017 say if he walked into this job slash situation as it is now? Going to need Thomas a bigger veg patch. starts off. Hey... Um, I think he would be impressed
0: at the um, at the facilities and be delighted that he maybe can focus more on um, the the football culture being embedded, because uh, more of his time can go there and less of his time can be distracted on on things that really need to be in place from an infrastructure point of view. I mean, you know, I, I think as as you alluded to earlier, that the club is in a much better position off the, off the pitch um, than it was. I, I do think that there is less hiding places um, from from a kind of what are you going to do next point of view. So so the Stuart Weber of twenty seventeen could list off a great a great long list of these are all the things that currently mean that we're not anywhere got any capability of delivering on our on our kind of goals. Stuart Webber of today has done a brilliant job of that, and and he he made it very clear in his interviews that he may be off soon. So we might actually find out relatively soon what a new version of stuart webber 2017 is going to make of of, of, because i I get the impression that it's it's not going to be two seasons it might might not even be as much as one before he's Mm.
1: on the way i took it in that sense yeah
2: paul anything to add in that regard uh uh, yeah i think he was quite ruthless when he came in wasn't he you know and i I, I wonder if he would do the same i think he'd look at it maybe he's alluded to that over his interviews is actually you know what he's he has maybe realized that he's been a bit too loyal or a bit uh, a bit too slow in, in making changes and, and maybe like you say Tom if he's only going to be here a year maybe maybe this is the summer this is the summer just to come in and be 2017 2.0 uh, and do it leave a parting shot so we can have success on the field and he can leave saying whatever he likes at the end of each interview yeah. Can I
1: have one more question please? And it's really quick Tom so it's from your mate Daniel Ottolangi and here. he asks would you rather be a snake pit divorce own, or a member of the
2: bedsheet brigade. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happily married, so I'll go with the bedsheet, mate. <laughs> I,
1: I too, because I like flags and banners. I'm going with the bedsheet brigade. Thomas. <laughs>
0: well i mean the good thing is the chances of my wife ever listening to a piece of content that
1: i create in any of my interests is so low that
0: i could easily choose that but
1: i really don't i like. thought she was our one listener i Damn really, it. must be my mum. Yeah, she, yeah,
0: she just like she just keeps pressing play like hundreds of times no, i um uh i i too like flags and banners but i really dislike the view from corners of pictures so i could never be the snake pit divorcee i might be a divorcee if you ask my wife she might guarantee it uh, but i really do like to see the pitch properly so no thank you for me on the snake pit fair enough thank you so much for the questions paul appreciate your time reviewing the good the bad and the ugly punt it's been another season i hope we have more (laughs) pleasurable things to talk about in the season to come Uh, we've already got sergeant Bash in the door um sounds like there's going to be another signing imminently um, as always when we sign off at the end of the season um, I do wish you a very very happy summer and also that like, I'll dangle the fact that you never know there might be a big enough story that brings us around the microphones in the meantime if not I'll probably see you in August right how you go